0: She's Julie Roxanne.
1: And he's Alistair. And And this
0: this is is Far Out. Out, a podcast about stepping off the beaten path and learning to live from our center. And we,
1: she was trying to get rid of you. Yeah, she I was. I, was I had
0: been on. at grandma's for five weeks at this time, <laughs> and I think the idea that I was there to get to know her has, was starting to get old. <laughs> I needed to move on. Uh, we both felt it, I think. But
2: uh.
0: <laughs> <laughs> a Euro trip idea, and like going to Rome, and then going to London, and then going to Paris, and <laughs> saying you've seen all these countries. Like at this stage, I was definitely like a bit snobbish about things.
1: <laughs> Are, you're not anymore?
0: <laughs> so, like, we're sitting down, man-to-man, eating, and he's so stoked to have me there. and And the woman is, too, and she's standing next to us, smiling, plucking a, a dead bird, you know? <laughs>
1: beautiful people. And welcome to a brand new episode of the Far Out Podcast.
0: Welcome. Welcome.
1: We are so happy you're here. We have a treat of a travel story today. Yeah. And as always, it is told by an awesome storyteller, Alistair Planbeck. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> he tells the story of uh, trekking in a conflict zone and experiencing the best hospitality ever. <laughs> yeah,
0: getting lost in the mountain and then it turning into uh, one of my, my favorite travel stories. Yeah. These were back in my bachelor days. 20. 20- 16, Uh, baby. Yeah, when I, uh, me and Danger were real tight (laughs) at those times. Uh, So, let's get into it. Yeah,
1: let's get into it. (laughs) I'm a simple And actually, before we get into it, we just wanted to let you know that we have put together a post with pictures and commentary to be a companion to this episode, and you can find this at patreon.com slash thefaroutcouple by becoming a patron at the $3 level.
0: Yep, I consider myself an amateur photographer, and (laughs) these are... (laughs) some of my better photos uh, but it's really interesting because it actually gives you an idea of what this place is like
1: yeah Uh, if you want to get a visual just uh, follow along with that and you'll listen to the episode it will be great (sighs) all right now let's get into it let's
0: get into it Good morning, good morning, good morning.
1: Good morning, everyone. Good
0: morning, Julie Roxanne. Good morning,
1: Alistair. It's
0: wonderful to have you here.
1: It is. it's is wonderful to have you, Alistair. And it's wonderful to have you, our listeners.
0: Well, thank you. Thank, thank- you very much. <laughs> Today, we're just going to get straight into it.
1: Yeah, no updates, no nothing. Yeah. Boom.
0: Straight in. Cutting in. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> How do we do this? How do we go straight? <laughs> so, I'm going to take you back to a time. This was a time when I had short hair and uh, I hadn't met you yet.
1: Yeah, that was a long time ago. It
0: was a long time ago. So this is years back, years ago.
1: Yeah, like mythological uh,
0: stories. At the beginning of time. Yeah. The beginning of my life.
1: This is adult. this is a story that Alistair. It's been on the on the log for a while. It, it's I, I feel like we are kind of clearing out our log recently with the ayahuasca story, and the yeah, dogs. we're getting
0: into the backlog. It's, we're reaching back, and yeah. uh, we we haven't done a like classic travel story for a while. Yeah, and yeah. we thought it'd be fun to do one of those. This story actually almost got picked up by BBC Travel. That's true, and those suckers missed a good opportunity. <laughs> So, but and I've never been able to write about it. It's been too. It's been kind of hard to write about. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's going to be fun to try to try to tell it as a audible story. Yeah. So, all right, to set the scene a little bit. This is
1: 2016.
0: It's 2016. I'm four years younger, and
1: uh, (laughs) your youth ahead of you.
0: (laughs) I got yes. The whole world is ahead of me. (laughs) All these like commitments and. And uh, things have not yet been made. I am not yet married. Yeah. Anything could happen. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm traveling through, well, I was traveling through Europe. And I just reached, like, kind of the frontier of the Eurasian continent, mm-hmm. uh, we could say. Yeah. So this story is going to find me. It's going to start in Georgia, in the, in, the, in the mountains of Georgia, actually. The Caucasus, the mountains of Georgia. Up kind of near the, the north border of Georgia. And I think it's, I think it's, I think Russia's above that, Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. We were uh, looking
1: at a map yesterday to try to...
0: Yeah, we were looking at a map. Uh, this is kind of a strange part of the world for Americans. The- we just don't even know it exists. It's like, Georgia, there's a country that's also...
2: <laughs> Georgia, is it
0: named after the state?
2: <laughs> What's
0: going on here? Are they the same? <laughs> uh, we, we don't know about it. We don't know about this part of the world. What's, listener, what borders Georgia other than Russia? Tell me.
1: I have no fucking clue, and I'm and I'm well, that's closer in Georgia. That, that's Geo-
0: sad for well, you. You're Armenian. You should know.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, I, I know because we've you've told me, but I I wouldn't have yeah. known. I, those this part of the world is really confusing to me. You know, it, it is. It's, it's there's a lot of different countries, a lot of different things that happened with the fall of USSR and all these things.
0: Bonus points if you can name the sea that that uh. Georgia. <laughs> Quarters.
1: Send us your answers, we'll review them. Uh we just did a quiz recently, so i was just like bonus. Points.
0: Black Sea. It's the Black Sea. Oh man.
1: Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right.
0: It's not black, actually. I don't think.
1: Is it the Black Sea? Are you sure?
0: No, I'm not sure. Did I get it wrong? I'm pretty sure it's the Black Sea.
1: Okay, well whatever. Oh god. <laughs> Alistair is so lame that we had to pause this recording for him to check online.
0: Yeah, and it is the Black Sea, but I didn't know this. On the other side, it's the Caspian Sea. So you had two chances there. You could earn two points. If you got both of them, let us know, because that's pretty impressive. <laughs> and you're probably Armenian.
1: Yeah, or yeah, or from Georgia <laughs> or something. Like.
0: All right, all right. So backing up a little bit though, I've been traveling for six months on my own. This is like kind of the beginning of my great adventure. I'd left the U.S. Uh, with a backpack and um, one-way ticket, yep. no plan, a lot of money. And uh, a burning desire not to see America for a while. <laughs>
1: <laughs> You've done pretty well in that.
0: I was moving further and further away every day. I yeah. was walking, taking trains, taking taking vans. You
1: started in England, right?
0: I started in England and I traveled over land uh, as much as you can, occasionally crossing uh, the channel or whatever. But I was traveling over land and just going east. Yeah. Uh, slowly going east. And I got hooked from the beginning on trekking. and if you listen to this podcast, you might know that a little bit. It's the inspiration behind our retreat company, but what happened was I was in England and my grandma we were i think we were watching something on Ben Nevis, which is the largest quote mountain in the u k <laughs> and and quote they think it's a mountain <laughs> it's like it's like it's like three thousand feet but actually it's a pretty dangerous mountain in some ways because up in northern Scotland. Yeah, don't
1: mock the mountain.
0: Yeah, people die up there every year. Yeah, so I, I saw I saw there was a, there was an article and some girl walked up in like shorts and a t-shirt and like and, and like converse oh, yeah. with like no gear or like nothing. Just walked up for like a day hike and got caught in a blinding blizzard at the top and almost died. <sighs> That's the thing is that at the top, if if it's, if the snow hits. You can not see your hand in front of your face, and then you fall off a cliff or something or get buried in snow or whatever happens. What a tragedy. So people die every year there. So anyway, I saw this, and I had this idea. I was going to go up to Scotland because my grandfather's Scottish, and I've never been, and so I thought that was kind of interesting. And I got the idea. I think my grandma kind of suggested, like, well, you should go up to Scotland and maybe... And then we. She was
1: trying to get rid of you. Yeah, she I was. was she I had was been
0: there. at grandma's for five weeks at this time, and I think the idea that I was there to get to know her has was starting to get old. I needed to move on. Uh, we both felt it, I think. But. Uh, <laughs> and so I went up to Scotland, and I had heard about the West Highland Way, which is the long kind of. Well, you know what? That's not even totally true. I went up to Scotland, and I ended up on the West Highland Way, and I think I did. I what happened was. I had gone up because it's kind of a nice area up there. It's, it's just, it's a, I started in Edinburgh and then I went over to uh, Glasgow. And then up from there, there's, you know, like some locks and different lakes and stuff. And I went up there and realized, I found out while I was up there that I was on uh, what was called the West Highland Way, which is a pretty uh, epic uh, long distance trail. It takes about a week to walk, absolutely scenic. And I decided to walk it. Uh, so I started walking it, and I got hooked. It was a great experience, except for the fact that I ended up in the, uh, I, I ended up in urgent care at the end because I couldn't walk on my feet because uh, they were full of blood blisters and, and stuff. So I, a lot of learning happened. This is the first time I'd ever really tracked, but I got hooked, and then I started, I started just planning my travels around mountain ranges. So that if was. If you
1: go back to Alistair's pictures on his computer, like. Starting 2016, all the way to like after we met, it's just pictures of mountains. Like he's in the mountains all the time. I didn't know I
0: was such a mountain man. Yeah, I, I it was like a, a remembering almost. So I went. I I, I ended up. I, I went through the High Tatras, which are which border between. They're like the border between Poland and Slovakia, uh, and I, I trekked through there for a while. I I spent a lot of time in the Carpathians in in Romania uh particularly. And I I spent some time uh in the caucuses That that was kind of what was next. And the caucuses are in Georgia. So basically like you start you start trekking and you you start being with all the people that do this stuff mm-hmm. and you hear about other places. And so like I'm in the high tatras and I, Hear about the you know, you start thinking about the Carpathians, and you're like, gosh, go there, they're really great. You go to the Carpathians and you hear about how wonderful Georgia is, and mm. so you kind of and this, this, if you follow this to its logical conclusion, you end up in the Himalayas, which yeah. is what I what happened. <laughs> so that's that's where this goes, it leads yeah. to the Himalayas, um, and
1: nothing tops the Himalayas,
0: nothing nothing tops the Himalayas. It's
1: impossible. Uh,
0: but so I'm not, I'm pre-Himalaya. I'm yeah. not at Himalayas yet. Georgia makes a good run for for their money. It's beautiful up there. Yeah. Um, it's absolutely amazing. And I, the other thing that was interesting to me as I traveled uh, overland this way was I was getting in more and more obscure places as far as Americans are concerned. Mm-hmm. Like, this, this is just a place of the world. You know, everyone goes to Thailand. Yeah. Or whatever. Yeah. Right? And And I just, my goal was to go places no one knew about or as, or that I didn't know about really. That was what it was. It's like, I want to go places I never hear anyone talking about and just see what's there and just get lost. I want to get off the map. So that's what I was doing. And this was kind of the culmination of that because, so I was in Georgia, not quite off the map, but definitely like, you're not seeing any Americans there at this point. Very few Americans. There's Europeans. They know about these places. It's not that far away, but Americans no mm-hmm. so i was i spent some time trekking in in the in the mountains in Georgia, and I was actually this was i think after a trek I was hanging out in the mountains up there. it's gorgeous, it's absolutely beautiful, and Georgia, the people there are really friendly it's a really cool culture it's really interesting
1: they yeah. they speak English,
0: yes, yeah, a lot of them speak english they're pretty they definitely have English speakers it's pretty warm the country is based on a lot of tourism and and they're really really friendly about it so in the mountains there are absolutely beautiful. They're stunning. I mean, like you're starting to get toward Himalaya level when you get into Georgia. Yeah. It's a place a lot of people talk about uh when you're when you're trekking. So I'm I'm hanging out there and I've I've got probably I can't remember how much time it was, but it's probably a less than a month before I have a flight out of the capital Tbilisi uh, of Georgia. Back home, because I'm going home for kind of like Thanksgiving. So I I was going home for a wedding, actually. One of my good friends was getting married.
2: Oh.
0: That was was the main reason. And then it was also around Thanksgiving time, so I was going to see the family. And then I was going to head back out, kind of. So I had some time, and I was at breakfast one morning with some Israelis. And they started talking about this, like...
1: There is one thing that I will say about traveling the world is, I have yet to find a place where Israelis are not.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. It's
1: like you go to Georgia, there's no more Americans. You can go anywhere and there's Israelis. Well,
0: they have a history of being nomads, right? Yeah. And just kind of
1: I, And it's really true. They're the everywhere. Place. Yeah. yeah.
0: You go you go to any any travel hub and there's like a place Specifically for Israelis.
1: In our town, there is there yeah, are here. two or three restaurants that are just all in Hebrew, and you're like, What the hell? We're in Guatemala.
0: There's always so there's weird. always the one hostel that specializes in the Israelis. <laughs> which I think is probably bad idea. It's bad business to, to work with Israelis because this is what they do. And I end, I walked with them uh there I walked with a pretty cool group when we were in Georgia. Yeah. And what they do is they get together so that there's a bunch of them. Yeah. And they're ruthless yeah. about bargaining. Ruthless. Like yeah. if you wanna get the best deal, go with an Israeli. Yeah. Because they they will get the best deal. So they get in these large groups purchasing power, and then they're just absolutely ruthless on the price and on everything. And and I, I got to say, I would not want to cater to that crowd.
1: I actually, when we were in, when we were living in Sri Lanka and my mom visited us, we went to a shop and uh, I went with her. She wanted to buy souvenirs and I bargained. And we were talking in French together. And then I was bargaining with the guy in English. And interestingly enough, like there are some twinges of uh, like French and Hebrew to an unknowing ear it can sound like there are some things that are similar, like the, the R's and stuff like that. And so the guy, and also I, I can pass for Israeli pretty easily. And so the guy thought we were Israeli. And so he gave me the best prize possible. And at the end, he was like, bring all your friends back. Tell them I give a <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'll do that, man. I have no friends here and I'm French.
0: <laughs> and that's the thing. The Israelis are so social. It's like if one goes there, then they're all going to go there. Yeah. So that's kind of like the deal you get.
2: <laughs> it's really
0: interesting. It happens all over the world. <laughs> it does. <laughs> <laughs> So I was at breakfast with a couple of Israelis and we were talking and they were talking about this really obscure trail in a country I'd never heard of. And it wasn't that far from here. And they were talking about like how amazing the hospitality was. And just, it sounded really wild. And up to this point, like, yeah, the trucks I'm doing are pretty wild. And I've definitely gotten myself into some trouble and I've gotten lost. You know, some of them I'm doing alone, some of them I'm doing with other people, but this really sounded off the map. And It was, I found out, in a conflict zone. So it's a country that I actually tried to show you this country on the map. It's called Nagorno-Karabakh. You've probably never heard of it. I had
1: never heard of it. And
0: and I tried to show you on the map yesterday because we were doing a little reminiscing. I was showing, like, we were going through my photos and stuff. It's not on the map.
1: So what's actually interesting is if you type it in Google Maps, they will say, yes, Nagorno Karabakh, and then they don't show you anywhere on the map that actually, it's like, it's a landmark, but it's nowhere. It's
0: literally (laughs) off the map. And this is because most of the world does not recognize it as a sovereign country. Mm -hmm. Although, uh, for all intents and purposes, you go there and it's a sovereign country. They're acting like it is. But uh, there's a lot of political strings attached because, well, Azerbaijan thinks it's part of their country. Yeah. And so, but mainly Armenians live there. Azerbaijan and Armenia are not friends. In fact, they're actively killing each other. They're not at war, but they're, they're definitely not at peace either. It's like you. So, the, what I heard is uh, along kind of the border or somewhere in Nagorno Karabakh. You know, like there's things like there's still landmines you can step on in certain places. Obviously, probably not on the trail because this is a this is a trail and they're trying to get the word out about this trail. And they've been like freshly created. So So I'm sure
1: they've taken the time. But there are still.
0: Yeah. But there are still landmines in Nagorno-Karabakh in certain areas. There's snipers sniping at each other on the borders. So, like, you know, people are still getting killed. And uh, so
1: when we looked on the on the map or like when we finally found the map that said where Nagorno Karabakh was yesterday I, I was like oh man so because it's in Azerbaijan it's like close to the border with Armenia but it's in the middle of it's it's you have to go in Azerbaijan to then get into Nagorno Karabakh
0: according they, to their according to them yeah I, and so but if you come from the Armenian side what it feels like you're doing uh, and what they think you're doing is you're going through Armenia and then you're going into Nagorno Karabakh. Yeah, because I was
1: like, I told you, like, oh man, so you went in Azerbaijan. He was like, no, Azerbaijan. Think, thinks I went into Azerbaijan, <laughs> but I didn't.
0: <laughs> well, which is why, if you want to go to Azerbaijan, you have to go first because as soon as you have a Nagorno Karabakh uh, yeah. stamp on your on your visa, they're not going to let you into the country because you have illegally, by by their terms, you've illegally entered their country.
1: Man, that's so, wild.
0: Yeah. So you, so you
1: hear about this conflict, zone and then you're like, yeah.
0: Y- yeah. Yeah, I was. I was like, whoa, that sounds interesting. I don't know. Like this, this was like progressively, this is a habit that was progressively getting worse and worse and worse for me, Where whereas like I was trying to get into trouble. I was trying to get into places that were just obscure, that people weren't going to. And I was trying to explore, you yeah. know, and I wanted to get off the map. I wanted to get into cultures that I knew nothing about yeah. that just were totally different. And I was getting braver and braver at doing this as I, as I went across Europe. And now I'm I'm going into toward Asia. So like I'm definitely at like the height of this for yeah. me is like I'm extraordinarily independent at this point. My backpack has everything I need. I have a, I have a tent in there. I have cooking gear. I have fire. I have I have a sleeping bag and a mat I, I have everything to keep me warm I literally do not need any if I get food I can live on my own for up to a week mm. so and I'm like pretty at this point like I'm pretty rough mm. you know like I'm I'm used to living in really uncomfortable places and I'm used to having to kind of survive quote yeah. unquote so like discomfort is my friend at mm. this point so I'm pretty prepared for this, I feel like. And it just called to me. It's like this is gonna be an adventure. This time it piqued my interest. And when I do, when that happens, I'm just like, oh let's go for it.
1: That's isn't there like there's such an exhilarating feeling from traveling like that alone, having no strings attached, and hearing about something at breakfast? and then just all right let's do it yes
0: it's an amazing feeling i recommend everyone experience this once in their life it's like you're literally blown in the wind and you hear something you hear something at breakfast about a conflict zone snipers landmines crazy trail like a land you've never heard of or cannot imagine and and you're gonna like walk through it for a week on your own yeah and you do it and you're just like yeah, it was really reckless. It was a reckless attitude, but like sometimes in life you gotta be a little reckless. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. And and it's exhilarating beyond belief. It really feels like you're on an adventure and you have no idea what you're gonna find. Mm-hmm. And up to this point, like I've had six months of experience of getting myself into situations like this. And what you learn as a traveler if you do this is that you can trust people. I think this is actually one of the early things you have to learn. And as an American, we like to really not trust anybody. Mm-hmm. Like we like to be independent. Right, and as you start to travel, that's impossible yeah you you have to depend on people pretty much at every turn,
1: I mean, and if you don't, I would say that you didn't experience the full travel experience,
0: yeah, that's a that's I think that's I think that is one of the key aspects of travel that people are looking for, often they don't know they're looking for. I know this was true for me, I was looking for connection mm. and I didn't know I was looking for like kind of hospitality from strangers, yeah, going into strange lands and and just having these kind of brushes with, with others. And uh, as we,
1: you, you might've heard us talk about this in the culture shock episode.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that a lot of us, when we go travel in this way, are looking for that uh, if, if we know it or not. And I had found it and I was starting to learn not only to trust myself, but to trust other people and to ask for help, which was really hard for me. Mm -hmm. That was something I struggled a lot with. And it was forcing me to, I'd get in these situations where I had to ask for help. And so by the time I got here, you know, you hear about conflict zones and stuff and you're like, okay, you know that that's like, like there's levels of reality here. It's like, okay, yeah, it's probably a conflict zone, but it's probably still safe to go to and people aren't going, you know, like because you've gone through so many countries where, there's something unsafe about it. And yeah. you get there and you realize, no, there's just people living here. Yes. For the most part. Yes. And these news lines are bullshit. Or it's not that they're not happening, but it's not it's not a representation of like life here.
1: It's not yeah, it's not all that it that it is. And
0: there's something else you're finding out is that as you go further into these kind of backwater countries, the hospitality gets warmer and warmer and the culture gets more incredible. And you have more opportunities to really Brush with the locals in a way that you know you go to germany or whatever it's like it's still pretty cosmopolitan and pretty pretty like western right but like so it's like you start to laugh at those early experiences like oh i'm going to Barcelona, you know like oh so exotic (laughs) it's another city you know Uh. they're all the same all over the world they have different flavors but
2: yeah
0: like it's still the same thing and it's like i want to get into the woods and go see who lives out here yeah and so that was also what I was doing. And I was definitely, like, kind of lifting my nose up on, like, you know, the Euro trip idea and like going to Rome and then going to London and going to Paris and <laughs> saying you've seen all these countries. I, at this stage, I was definitely, like, a bit snobbish about things.
1: You're not anymore?
0: <laughs> I'm willing to admit it. I might still be a little bit, but I like (laughs) to Not as
1: much as back then.
0: Yeah, but I like to get off the beaten path and I like to see what's out there. And you value
1: that a lot. Like I just, side story, I just remember how douchey and snobby we were on the bus taking us to our Himalaya trek that you might've heard us talk about on this podcast before. We were just like the worst you know like imagining all the people that we're gonna be able to look to look down on because that, we did it the hard way that's or, because if
0: you know anything about like trekking to everest base camp most people take a helicopter in and like they fly they yeah. they, they or they fly yeah they basically fly into a town called lukla so you go from katmandu take a plane to katmandu you take a, a smaller jet to lukla and yeah. then you do just like the glory piece yeah, yeah, yeah. Of, of the trek and we actually walked from like near sea level Nepal all the way up to Lukla, which was more, which was harder than the average base camp track. And so, so we hated on a lot of people. And by the time we were, we were in the Himalayas proper by the time we were in what people would, like what people flew to, we were eating like, like we knew Nepali words. We were, we were, we we were not as strong as them. Yeah. We had bamboo walking (laughs) sticks. We were not as strong as them or could walk as fast as them by any measure, but we were eating the local foods, like three, Two times a day. a day at the times they were eating we were eating with our hands like we we felt really
1: we felt we yeah we just uh our, our heads were very big we yeah. thought that we were just really the <laughs> shit you know and like
0: <laughs> it's a fun identity to have though, it to is hate.
1: it is fun yeah. I and mean, it was fun to. and play you need it
0: a little bit it. when you're going to go into these places because you you it's difficult like These places are hard. Uh, And And if you can't
1: get the glory of being hardcore, it's like, come on. Yeah, it's a bit of the
0: the reward. I mean, these places, they they knock you around a little bit. And you have some hard experiences and and all these things. So this comes with that, is this kind of identity or attitude where it's like, you know. Anyway, (laughs) so I had heard about this and I got really interested. I'm in Georgia right now and I'm in the mountains of Georgia. So I'm like North Georgia. And I hear about this and I... You know, what I I went and did some planning and I figured I could make it back from my flight. It was gonna be tight, uh, but I could make it back from my flight in a few weeks. So I travel back to Tbilisi, which is the capital of Georgia, and then um, and I can't remember, it was probably like uh it was probably a van or something like that. And this is that takes four or five hours. Yeah. And then I travel from Tbilisi across the border south into Armenia to uh Yerevan. Yerevan. Yeah. Which is pretty far into Armenia. So this is probably another train and a couple couple vans as well.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: This is a day's worth of traveling, a solid day, yeah. uh, to get there. And now I'm in Armenia, and I find a i i I find a taxi with a couple other people. It's not like a taxi like you think about in the U.S., but it's it's basically just a carpool, yeah, and a, a way to not for it to be cheaper to travel to. Uh, the Nagorno Karabakh, which is in the east, it's on the border with Azerbaijan now. Yeah, uh, and this is not a place people are going very much. And at yeah, this so point, there's
1: no train or no. buses. Or and whatever. at this point,
0: you're you're really kind of starting to be off the path as far as like the travel route. You know, like, you know, if you didn't think you were seeing Americans in Georgia, I am no longer seeing Americans. Period. Mm. There are not Americans here. As far as I didn't run into any, you're running into the odd travelers that are doing those those kind of Silk Road routes and stuff—they're going into Iran and yeah. some of these sketchier places. It's like you now—you're starting to be with like the travelers that are really, you know, off the map yeah. and are going to somewhat dangerous places. Seriously, uh, Pakistan, places yeah. like this—usually they're not American. Like usually they're more European, German, or, yeah. or like you know that part of Europe, like Germany and 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 the Dutch. They're a little, like, more brave about going to they those places. They like areas. to
1: bike, too. Like, yeah, they, there's a lot of overland biking happening. Yeah. and uh, But yeah.
0: I don't feel like they have such a target on their back. But as an American, you're just like, nah, I don't think so.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: So I'd love to go to those places. It just, I don't think so. So.
1: And then it's also complicated if you have that stamp on your passport. Like, Iran, that's a complicated stamp. Yeah. To have. Like, yeah. I have a friend who did that like hitchhiked from France to Pakistan or India or something. He went through Iran and he was going to try to go to the US because his brother had a baby there and he got denied yeah. for a visa. Impossible.
0: Yeah, it can create some issues. Although I've heard the people in Iran are amazing and it's actually an actually incredible it. country to he visit. He loved it there. Yeah. yeah. So I I take a cab with like three other Armenians and into the desert basically you have to cross the desert and this is an ancient desert this is like we went across a place which so I had uh there's a soldier a young soldier with me Armenian Armenian, Armenian soldier there. yeah and and he was super proud super proud of Armenia and so excited to share it with me so he was like my private tour guide yeah he bought me lunch at the gas station and everything like he wouldn't let me pay yeah it was, it was really touching like he was so proud and uh so happy to have me there yeah and he was telling me like we went by this there's a massive volcano in armenia or it's it's just like comes armenia is pretty flat and it just comes out of the ground and it's just whoosh Huge! It's huge. I think
1: it's the sacred mountain. Is that Mount it, Ararat or something like that?
0: It, yeah, I think I yeah. think that might be it. It's big. It's, it's one. Sacred. It's a really big one, and they're really proud of it. So we went by that, and it's amazing. As long as it's in on the horizon, you're just staring at it because yeah, it's like the contrast. It's between, like
1: flat, and then yeah,
0: and then it's just a straight wow. massive mu- mountain. So, uh, and <laughs> one funny kind of side story, and we're in the middle of nowhere at this point. It's like this is. This is, there's nothing. It's just desert. It's dry. There's the occasional rundown, like, gas station maybe. We stopped and got, like, local wine because apparently there's wine somewhere around here. And so there's, like, wine and plastic bottles that you could buy. It was delicious. It was some of the best wine I've had. Wow. And there's honey and stuff. And we went by a place where he pointed it out. And he's like, that's where they found the first shoes. (laughs) ever the first human sandals or something apparently were there i can't verify this but it's like this is the the this is how ancient this place is yeah this is that biblical part,
1: that part of the world is so yeah ancient,
0: yeah right? and you feel it you look at the the desert and the, it's like mountainous deserts and it's like the cars being stopped on the road because every so often there's shepherds going by with like with sheep or horses or whatever like they're using the road and so you just have to wait till they get off the road or yeah. uh it's ancient. It feels old as hell there. And it's it's kind of mind blowing in that way. You're just captivated. There's an energy to it where you're just like this place is old and like and and deserted. Yeah. You know? And <laughs> it was funny because this Armenian soldier is so proud of his country. He's wearing a shirt with the Armenian flag on it. And uh telling me all about it. And it was just this is kind of the disconnect of these places sometimes. And I've seen it before. I actually saw the same thing happen with a Buddhist monk in in in, uh, Nepal. in Nepal, which also just shocked me. But then he finishes his lunch, which is in like a styrofoam kind of tray or whatever, rolls down the window, throws it out the window. I'm just like, what? Yeah. You know, like, yeah. he's so proud about his country. And then like, there's just, those two don't, connect to, don't at connect. all and i've seen that i saw a buddhist monk do the same thing with his plastic bottle and he's done that it. was
1: that you were i i was be i was there for that i was shocked but you were beyond shocked oh, i you couldn't stop talking about i Paradigm shifting like i was stunned yeah, yeah.
0: so that's just kind of one of the weird things and so this is like a five-hour drive through the desert, and at this point I'm starting to wonder, what am I doing? And the, the <laughs> cab is dropping everyone off at different places. I'm the last person in the cab. Oh man. And he drops me off in a desert town. I have no idea what the name of it is. I, I, I just he drops me off. I have to go here, and then apparently I take another car or, or shuttle the next day, and I'll cross the border into nagorno karabakh This is like a desert town. Like I get off. it's close to nighttime, and there's a bunch of men. Standing around at like some sort of like kind of public area sure, yeah. yeah
1: always man, and, hand and hand I, hand
0: I get hand out, hand out and the it. cab just drops me off and leaves and i don't know anything about this place i don 't even know what the name of the city is yeah. that i'm or the town is that i'm in it's it's like in between the town and the city like it's it's pretty big, yeah, but it feels pretty towny in a way, yeah, and they're all kind of looking at me, and I go to talk to him, and nobody speaks English well I mean we're in a part of the world where English is not a second language anymore. In Georgia, it is because they have a lot of Westerners coming in. Yeah. So it's still a third language there. But the second language is Russian. Yeah. We're in the Russian sphere of influence at this point. So they, they'll, they'll speak Armenian and then Russian, and that's it. And that's and, it. And very few speak English. But I'm in mean, a town and literally no one spoke English there. And I realized, like, and it, does, it wasn't a town, like, I didn't, have, I didn't have internet or a phone at this point, I don't think. Um, I, I lost it in Romania so I'm traveling without a phone it was like one of those like oh shit moments where mm. it's like whoa this might be a little too far like I'm not sure if there's even a place to stay here Yeah, and I've just shown up right before dark and there's a bunch of men here and none of them can understand me and I have no way to communicate with them that was kind of scary they, tend to, they ended up being really helpful yeah. and they got me it took quite a while to explain <laughs> what I was looking for Hand gestures, yeah, they got me to like a guest house, it was very simple. Guest house, and once in a while, they had a person or two come through. There was a guy there, he was coming back from Iran, so we were able to kind of share stories. And next day, we started, we we drove. I I took, I found a shuttle somehow. They because once I got to the guest house, they were able to kind of tell me where to go, yeah. So they dropped me off the next day, and I took a shuttle in Nagorno Karabakh, and that's when things started to get real because, in like Looking behind me in the car, there's like f- tanks. Not not like tanks with guns, but more like camouflage cargo trucks and stuff carrying like fuel. Yeah, but military are yeah, coming yeah, yeah. actively in
1: and, and big too. I mean, big, you've shown me pictures yeah, like, like tanks, like yeah. not tanks that are going to shoot at you, but no, they, but they massive
0: might. military yeah. trucks like that are fueling things that you don't want to be around Yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah. And you're starting to realize, like, oh. <laughs>
1: conflict
0: zone, conflict zone. <laughs> oh and so another level of doubt here where i'm just like mm, maybe not this you know the whole time you're one you're doubting yourself and you like, have
1: so much time to doubt too because oh yeah each yeah. of those legs of journeys is super like, long oh my God. I, i'm
0: cover i'm going over them quickly but these are days at this point i've been traveling for three days probably yeah, yeah, yeah. Th- a car through the desert through really desolate places you have plenty of time to wonder if this was a good idea. And, and it kind of accumulates. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then it's like, my idea is I'm going to just walk through this country for a week. Yeah. And, and you're starting to like be like, is that a good idea? Like, it's really kind of, it's freaky. It really tests your metal yeah. in a way. And now you're seeing military and stuff and you're going, like, the border is a military border. Yeah. And you're like, hmm. <laughs> uh, you don't know what to expect, and you don't know if this is like a good idea, and you've been, you know, you've been warned. Yeah. So, so there is a little bit of like the you Israeli, don't know what's gonna happen.
1: The Israelis that told you about the trail did did they do it?
0: I think they had. Okay. Yeah, or they knew someone who had, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. I can't recall. but Yeah, um,
1: that's encouraging.
0: That was encouraging. <laughs> that, that's, that's what made me think I could do it.
1: Uh, that's always the thing.
0: Yeah. So it's called the Janapar Trail, by the way. You can look it up. It's J-A-N-A-P-A-R Trail. And it goes through the Lesser Caucasus, Caucasus, Caucasus Mountains and kind of the similar mountain range that I was hiking in Georgia, just Lesser. Yeah. This is more of a cultural trek than like a scenic mountain trek.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And... So I get in, I get to the main, uh, the capital of this, this, this was, it's just really interesting because this was a really, really different place. I mean, it's very different. It's still like, you know, people are living there, but it's like,
1: it's off the map. It's It's, really off
0: the map. And it's like much more Russian than American. And, 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 uh, it's an active conflict zone. So the, this, the capital is called Stepanakert. It's called like Artsakh. In, in the language there, but it's also called Stepanakurt.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And so I stayed there for a day or two, just getting my bearings. And uh, then I caught the basically local transport, which is basically like a 12-person van yeah. that takes people into the villages because it's a mountainous country. It's basically just, just mountains. Mountain. And
2: yeah.
0: and like this, this is also why it's probably a conflict zone is it's hard to control.
2: Yeah.
0: Mm. Uh, because it's pretty undeveloped. Yeah. So I'm taking this van, and it's stuffed, and I didn't know I needed to buy a ticket, and I got there that ticket, and so they got mad at me, but I still made my way on the van, and <laughs> and uh, I couldn't communicate with anyone at this point. Like I didn't have a phone. I mean, I-
1: at this point, it's no. It's not even that there's no Americans. Is that there's no. There's, Westerners.
0: There's no travelers. There's no travel. There's very few. There's a couple, but did there's you, very. Did
1: you see some?
0: No, at this point. There? At this point, no. After okay. after this point, like I'm the only one. Okay. So this van is really. There were a couple in Stepanakert okay. at the guest house I was staying at. Okay. A couple.
2: Yeah.
0: Now I'm on my own.
2: Yeah.
0: And the van leaves, and I don't have a phone, and so I don't have GPS. The only maps I have are printed out, and they're instructions from the Janapar Trail Organization. Okay. Um. And I just know that, like, I need to get back to Stepanakert. And I have, like, a, a map of the walking route. Because I'm going to walk back.
2: Mm. It's
0: going to take me about a week. And I'm going to walk back. And so I take the van. It's another, like, several-hour van ride. And it's going through backwater villages. And I, I don't even know what direction. You know, like, it's yeah. gone. We're weaving. I'm getting carsick because people are, like, standing in it. Because uh. like, it's full. It's more than full. Yeah. And, and it's... We're weaving through these mountainous areas, and it's not good road. Yeah, you know, you're just dirt roads and potholes and stuff. And they're dropping people off. I'm literally the end of the line, I'm, like the last person they dropped me off in a backwater village. Calling it a village is like way is is like uh, over, uh, o- over giving it more credit than it deserves. Uh, it's a it's a hamlet, as you as you said. Yeah, it's like a, there's a couple buildings here. Yeah, uh, there's like a church, a graveyard. And there's like a shop and there's a bar and there's like three men outside the bar. That's
1: enough for a village, in my opinion. If okay. you've got a, sh- a church and a graveyard, that's a village. A hamlet right. is just housing. Yeah.
0: I think it's a, it's a village, but it's like there's not many people here yeah. anymore. And we don't, I have no idea where I am. And I have, it was kind of freaky at this point. It's like, other than walking this trail, I have no idea how to get back. Yeah. And I don't speak the language and I'm not sure. No one's going to, I'm not going to be able to communicate it yeah. very well. And the guys at the bar are looking at me like I'm an alien. (laughs) They're just like, what the hell? I mean, Uh, I I, like at this point, I am now the event of the day wherever I go.
1: Yeah. At at this
0: point. And you're
1: like, you know, like red hair. Red hair. Massive bags. It's like
0: people are just living here and it's really poor. Yeah. And it's like, I, I can't imagine seeing some white dude that's, like, rich. Obviously, you see what he's wearing. It's clear that, like, I have money compared yeah. to people here. And, like, it's like, why are you here? Yeah. And why are you walking through this godforsaken <laughs> country? You know? Like, that kind of, I don't know. But, like, that's what it, it's, like, it's strange. Disbelief. It's, it's really, a really strange hobby yeah. to do is to get dropped off in really poor countries and then walk through them. It's a weird thing to do. That,
1: if you put it like that, yeah, it is really strange. And you
0: think about this when you get dropped off in one of these places and those three men are staring at you. You yeah. start to think about like, this is strange. <laughs> this is weird. Why am I doing this? You're, you ask a lot of why am I doing this and why am I here? That's a constant question and it never has an answer. <laughs> There's, yeah. there's doubt, there's fear, like anxiety, there's all these things. But this is part of what makes these adventures so great. Yeah. So it takes me about an hour to find the trail, where the trail starts.
1: Is this morning? Or what time are you getting around? I'm dropped like,
0: off? yeah, like late it's morning, day. early it's afternoon, day. So you and start I'm walking, walking. today. Okay, yeah, okay. yeah. So as I said, I don't have a phone, which is usually what you'd use for GPS just to get an idea of where you are. And all yeah. I have is like a kind of crappy printed map. Like, it's not your legitimate hiker's map or anything. It's, like, I have the map from the organization that tells you, like, it's a combination of, like, a, a kind of visual map and, like, directions. When you see this, go that way, <laughs> that kind of thing. Uh, and this is a fairly new trail that's been created. Like, it's a couple years old, I think, yeah. at this point. And there's uh, these blue – it's these blue squares – like, the trail is marked by these blue squares with yellow feet on them.
2: Uh-huh.
0: And – uh So I have to find these to keep that. Those are my markers. Yeah. But it's not always obvious at all. And so I had to go into like the church. There's an old lady there and kind of ask her. and, And I think she pointed me where I needed to go. Finally, I found it, but it took me an hour. And this was going to be the beginning of what I would be doing half the time on this trail, which is... I'm lost and I cannot find. I, I go. I went off the trail so many times. Uh. It was so hard to follow, and I would get lost and only realize like an hour later that I've been I'm not on the trail and I missed something and I went a different way. And,
1: and I think this is a good time to point out how devastating that can be because you're carrying a backpack with all your life in it at this point. Like yeah. you might not be camping every night. I don't know. Were you? Or no, were not you?
0: every night. Yeah, most nights. Yeah, but like you are
1: still carrying everything, and that's heavy on your back. And every time. You you take a step that you shouldn't be taking
0: you have to step you have to go back
1: it's like to just
0: get to where you need to go so yeah. it's like you 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 walk twice yeah in the wrong direction almost that's,
1: that's really hard it's
0: rough and it's really frustrating to not know where the trail is yeah. like that's just it's tough so that was happening the first i think it was the first night and now i'm going through towns that like aren't even on the you know these towns aren't even on the shuttle mm. thing so Really interesting, but really, really poor. Like, it's really run down. We're talking like houses made out of stone with like rusted metal. That's probably like, you know, God knows how old. These places have not, they're they're farmers. They're they're, uh, self-sustainable to some degree. They don't have very much. It is poor. Mm. And uh, yeah, it's a very neglected part of the world. Yeah, it's just it's like it doesn't exist almost.
1: Well, and, Google Maps says it doesn't exist. Yeah, so.
0: yeah. But part of the reason I went on this trail was because the hospitality is is famous yeah. on it. It's and, and I wanted to experience this. It's it's kind of it's a very interesting mix. It's like you're going to a conflict zone. There's tanks. There's snipers. There's landmines, and it's here where you have some of the richest you have a reputation for some of the richest warmest hospitality Mm. and this is something you learn so much as a traveler which is that the politics of a place and the people are totally different things and they rarely you know like there's just people living there yeah and then there's the politics of a place and that's like you know some people that are in charge that are doing shit yeah you know but they don't really relate a lot of times so we worry about these countries and yeah you should be a little concerned about the governments of these countries but the actual people often are um really amazing and yeah. was worth, worth spending time with. And that was the case on this trail. They're, they were really friendly. And so the first night I stayed in a hotel.
1: Oh, uh, and you showed me the picture of that place. It's awful. Imagine,
0: imagine, basically this dude lives in the other room and he's got an empty room. Cracked walls, plaster peeling. The bed is... Like
1: mold on the walls? Yeah, like, the you know, bed, stains. Yeah, yeah,
0: black kind of around the cracks the cockroaches the bed is you know,
1: wires hanging crushable. from the ceiling yeah there's
0: like one lamp hanging from a wire with harsh light in the middle it's uh, it's like it's barely a room uh, and then for dinner like i remember <laughs> i remember this because i think the whole thing was 10 bucks which was you know pretty good there for it was like it was kind of pricey for, yeah. for where i was But dinner and staying there, I think I I ended up paying 10 bucks. Yeah. And I don't think the guys had guests for, you know, maybe a year. And for dinner, he makes me like basically he grills like a a patty. And then he, and I didn't see him do this. And he came out and served it. And it had been, he'd been fried it in a flour batter. So, and I was gluten free because I have a sensitivity to gluten. But I was just like, fuck it I'm gonna have to eat it <laughs> yeah
1: yeah you were less strict about this at the time i think i, I was also, pretty strict
0: but there was just like there's there's no communicating how are you going to tell someone you're gluten intolerant you mm-hmm. know when yeah. he doesn't speak english and
1: probably doesn't know and doesn't even understand
0: food. what gluten is yeah, in yeah. this part of the world and dinner's already been served yeah. and it would cost him a lot to make dinner again <sighs>
1: yeah, yeah,
0: yeah it is an impossible situation and i didn't have food
1: oh man so
0: or not enough so you eat the gluten uh um that was the first night. And I'm walking through, like, you can imagine it's, like, kind of hilly areas. Yeah. And then there'd be forest, and then there'd be, like, views of, like, kind of farmland or, like, kind of some mountains. But they're they're small ones, and it's countryside. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's nice. And the people, whenever people see you, like, they're...
1: It's the event. It's the
0: event, yeah. So the next night, I think, and, and my timeline's not great here, but I end up spent uh, walking for about five or six days, but one of the next nights... I'm walking through, like, more forested, like, kind of mystical forest, like, kind of over some hills and stuff. And I come up to uh, what I think, uh, what the sign said, was a 13th century
1: church. Oh, yeah. Just on
0: the side of the mountain, you know. And there's a graveyard. It's old as hell. And you go in and, like... Abandoned. Abandoned. Yeah, ancient, neglected. Mm -hmm. And... and there's a sign there saying something around thirteenth century, and you're just like, oh my god, there's yeah. stuff here that just cannot, they no no one can afford to take care of it. Yeah, it's just being forgotten. It's just there. Yeah. And so you know you have come across these things. It's, it's an ancient place. It's you know, crazy
1: to imagine that that deserted, like abandoned place, might have been the center of a very thriving village at one point or settlement yeah. at least. Because you don't build a church if there's no village around. Yeah. It. Like you don't. You know. It's that's, eerie
0: too. It is. Yeah. And you're and you're walking through these places alone, and you barely know where you are. It's it's really quite an experience. Mm. And that night. <laughs> That night, I come to a hill, and this was an—I was at the top of like a hill with a great view of like some. There's some towns kind of off in the distance and stuff, and the locals here are still pretty like superstitious, I guess I would say, yeah. or they have very old ways. And one of them was I found on this. There was a shrine where I was cam- and I, I camped here, and there's uh, animal parts hanging from the trees, then- like lots of them, like. Pig feet, goat feet, chicken feet, beaks, like different parts of animals that are just all it's like Blair Witch. It's freaky.
1: You've shown you've told me this multiple times. You've shown me picture again yesterday, and there's like a there's like what looks like a sacrifice yeah. rock.
0: Well no, there's there's actually a stump there. Yeah. Clearly where they're they're used to sacrifice yes. animals. Yes. And then they're there's what kind of looks like a tombstone, yes, uh, and with candles that have burnt on it, you know, and stuff. It's old and it's in the ground, and it
1: looks terrifying in pictures. And that is probably it's,
0: it's very it's very cultish.
1: Yeah, and that's probably probably to this day the one thing that I really don't understand why you slept there. Like, that's, like, the (laughs) one thing in all of our relationship, all the things I know about you. It's like, oh, I know you had a snake, for instance, which is pretty, like, what the fuck? This is way beyond that. I thought
0: it was, like, I don't know. It's just, like, why not? It would be a good story. You know, it's (laughs) like, I slept it's kind of edgy. You know? I would,
1: I would be terrified that like Satan worshippers would come at the middle of the night. And, and I it was be
0: creepy. creepy. I definitely, I definitely kept an eye open. Oh my night, God. But I actually had a great night there. It was so nice. <laughs> and the sunrise the next morning was beautiful from there. <laughs> well, it was a All lot right. of fun.
1: Well, thank God.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so the next day actually was pretty notable because I walked through. So I ended up walking through the village in the morning after I had my breakfast and stuff. And this is where, like, there's a reputation, like, around the villagers where it's like you almost need to avoid them because if they see you, and this is what happened. I was walking through the town, and it's early, it's morning. It's probably, like, 10 o'clock in the morning, 9 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And one of them, uh, a man sees me outside of his house and invites me in. Like, it's a, it's an event. He just he wants to invite me. We don't speak the same language. He's just, like, he sees me, and he invites me in. He brings me in. And his wife is there. They bring out a massive spread of food. Like, it's all village food. It's yeah. all, so it's like, you know, some veggies and like maybe something pickled. Local and bread. Local bread. And like, there's local cheese, like a certain kind of cheese that's in the area. And, uh, all, and, and a little bit of meat too, actually. Uh, they, they eat a, there's a fair amount of meat. And then there's coffee. And we're eating. And his wife, so he's, him and I are eating. This is a very patriarchal area Mm -hmm. so like the women are in very traditional roles and the men are doing nothing and the women are doing everything yeah basically that's what it looks like (laughs) (laughs) and so like we're sitting down man to man Eating and he's so stoked to have me there. And and the woman is too, and she's standing next to us, smiling, plucking a a dead bird, you know? And and I'm outside of his house. And so we're eating.
1: If you're a woman in this culture, you're always making food. It's either you're making food for what's happening now or you're making food for the next thing that's going to happen. And the man is
0: always eating food. Yes, (laughs) that's pretty
1: much it. And drinking.
0: Yeah, that's the other part. So (laughs) the other part, and I'd been warned about this, is the Ogi. Like,
1: actually is on the janipar trail website we read it yesterday where they tell you what to do like how do i avoid ogi like that's there's like seven
0: strategies for avoiding ogi because everyone will make you drink it and it's no joke it's like this stuff is uh, made in the village it's super it's meant to be strong mm-hmm. it's like this is you know ogi for everything right yeah, like yeah. So, so this uh, is you can
1: disinfect wounds and yeah, this, cure ailments and, and whatever wasted, you need to do. Whatever yeah, you need yeah, to yeah, do. yeah.
0: So, <laughs> so uh, it's like 50% alcohol. Like, it, it can be. It's super strong. It's mm-hmm. just fire. And they drink it all the time. And so any event, they're drinking it. It doesn't matter if it's 9 o'clock in the morning. So there's a big bottle of Ogi on the table. And like these are like double shot glasses. And he's pouring them like three quarters full, you know. And you can't. It feels wrong to say no. I mean, yeah. the hospitality is incredible. It's yeah, overwhelming. Yeah. It's really overwhelming. It's like, these are really poor places, and they just bring out everything they've got. Mm. And they're so happy to have you there. And it's really amazing. And so <laughs> I have to drink it. Like, right after my morning coffee, I have a nice glass of ogi, And I'm like, oh, I cannot take another one of this. This stuff burns. It's it's bad. <laughs> and so I I turn the, the glass over, which I, I think is the universal sign for like, no more, right? I put it upside down on the table. And I'm like, God, oh, that's great. No more, you know, kind of make the gestures. He looks at me, smiles, grabs the, the bottle of ogi, grabs my glass, turns it right side up, pours another full one. <laughs> I'm just like, Oh, no. So I end up drinking it and I get out after that. But I don't think I ever got out of any celebration because there was a few of these without yeah. drinking two, two yeah. glasses of the stuff. I mean, they're they're persistent about it. Like, you <laughs> don't have a lot of choice in this matter. And it doesn't matter that it's so early in the morning and that I have a heavy pack and I'm clearly walking today. <laughs> So I end up leaving. But like, for
1: them, that's, that's a standard dose to just get the day going. Yeah, that's just so, so they like, actually think that it's going to help you yeah, on your walk, that's just probably. taking out the
0: aches and stuff from last night. Yeah. These are hardy people. These are tough people. Yeah. So, so this is, like, a way of life. And this is probably what helps them a lot of the, a lot of the time. I don't mm-hmm. know. But it's basically, like, you, anytime you take an aspirin, they're probably going to have a couple glasses of Ogi. <laughs> um, so I end up, like, walking out of the village, like, drunk. Almost drunk in both ways. Like, I was, like, really touched. So, yeah. like, kind of love drunk a little bit. Like, like it's really amazing and also pretty buzzed. And kind of, <laughs> like, just kind of wandering, like, ooh, this is great. And I get to lunch, uh, which is a couple hours. It's pretty flat today. I, I don't make it very far today because I end up, the same thing happens to me at lunch. <laughs> I, but there's this massive tree, which is rumored to be 2,000 years old. Mm. It's huge. Who knows how old this tree is, but it's clearly really, really, really ancient. And it's like kind of a sacred place. And there's a lot of people there and they're picnicking. And I get pulled in by another group and uh, another spread, more drinking, more drinking than the last time. Uh, and and so like I'm wobbling out of there again. And I, make, I I probably make it a few miles on this day in total. And I end up in like kind of a secluded place, the waterfall and and kind of a lagoon. And, and, I, and I camp there overnight. And this is where, like, this is really where the story hits its kind of, kind of highlight, which was the next day. So, I traveled through another village, and the same thing happened. It was at the edge of this village, and I was about to like get into the mountains, into the forest, and literally the last house on the road before, just outside of town, before I get there and there's a big party going on and it's all men of course like around a table and they're all like you know eating and, and drinking and being happy and they see me go by it's a kind of a big compound so there's a house and there's a big outside area and there, there's a bunch of them and they see me go by and they of course they invite me in to to celebrate with them and so I sit down and have food and course, I have to have a drink.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, they're not gonna let no, you. It's morning time. To. It's okay yeah. time. But you're
0: still you're so touched by like the hospital. It's amazing. It's yeah. it's a really incredible feeling. And like they're so warm and they're so generous. Yeah. And it's so open. And they're so just happy to have you there. That it's 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 fun. Yeah. And so I sit down with them, these men, and there's some boys there. And one of the men, he's probably in his thirties. Uh, he's got a couple young children. He's got a phone with internet which is kind of rare. Yeah. And so he's able to Google Translate. And so we're wow. able to have a little bit of a conversation over over the meal.
1: Technology, yeah.
0: Man. Just kind of explain a little bit about, like, where I'm from, what I'm doing. And they tell me through Google Translate that it's the kid's birthday. Mm. And I was like, oh, man, it would be so cool if I were this kid to get a gift from, like, an american like going you know, you know it's just like,
1: like a, a stranger yeah you know in this
0: village we're like literally they probably can be, they just they can't afford anything yeah, if it's yeah. not necessary they're not getting it yeah. like kids wearing like old army clothes kind of things you know and yeah and it's a run down place and nothing could get here anyway there's no supply lines That's you know and even getting of... to step on a which there there's not much there would as a drive right yeah so and I was just thinking like, what could I, I got to have something in my pack. What can I give him? What can I give him? And I did. I had a shiny, beautiful red Swiss army knife. Like one of the ones with like 10 different features uh. that I had bought at a flea market in Georgia just so I could have a knife in case I needed it. And I wasn't using it. And I was like, oh my God, like what does every, this boy was at the perfect pocket knife age, yeah. and you know, yeah. like it's like that time where that's like, the cool. You, you're begging your dad and he's like, no, you're going to poke out an eye and all that. So I rifled through my bag. i would never used it. I didn't need it. And uh, I was like, this is great. So I gave him the pocket knife. Oh, my God. The men wouldn't let him have it for, like, 10 minutes. They were so fascinated by it. Like, the men were, like, more into it than... The kid didn't even get a chance to look at it. And then the kid, like, finally got it. And, like, it was clear that he was, like... He was speechless. You know, he's kind of, he was, like, really bashful. He came over and gave... He, like, kind of ran over and gave me, like, a really big hug. He did? Know? Yeah, oh, yeah. Man. And And it was really cool. And everyone was extraordinarily touched. And, like, the kid... The other kids there, like, they run off and they, everyone wants to see the pocket knife. It was, like... It was, it was a great gift. Oh, my and God. I, it was just... I was so happy that I remembered that I had it. And so then, the grandfather of the kid is just, like kind of smitten with me at that point and like he tells me through google translate it's like your family and he invites me to the birthday party that night that they're having it's a big celebration with the whole family and he invites me but i'm already behind uh, i've been getting lost on the trail and drinking so much ogi <laughs> and i'm not getting anywhere on this trail and i i don't have time because I have to get back to Stepanikert because I have to get back to Georgia because I have to get back to the U.S. yeah so like I, I, I don't have the time and so I say no no thank you thank you this is wonderful and I leave but I take a couple pictures with the kid and the grandfather there's this classic picture of me with the grandfather and he's wearing military gear and and behind us is like half a cow hanging in their front yard that's
1: life in those places yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> he, he was just like I was his son that's kind of the way he said it. It was mm. really amazing. And it was just like... It was like one of those feel-good moments where you're just like, wow, if I die today, I did something good on this planet. You know? Mm. It was just like... that. It was such a feeling... Or like a heartwarming moment. And it was just like... That kid's going to remember that. Yeah. You know? And it was really, really cool. It was worth traveling out there for that. To give that kid that pocket knife. Yeah. And I felt great. And uh, so I left. I'm like the hero disappearing into the mountains yeah you know? and it
1: must have but felt so like like playing a song almost in your head like walking away in yeah. the sunset yeah. or it's whatever like this kid
0: had a birthday and then like a foreigner from america which is considered here like amazing right oh yeah yeah it's america it's and like
1: the land of the free yeah,
0: yeah so it's like the other side of the world a place they'll probably never see in their life yeah. and probably none their family has ever been to And then to get given this thing, like, it's exotic.
1: And, like, pocket, like, he looks like he's about 10 on the pictures around. And so, like, man, a pocket knife. Wow.
0: Yeah, if his dad doesn't take it from him. (laughs) (laughs)
1: He's
0: like, kid, you know, for your own good. But really, the dad's, like, playing (laughs) with it. Anyway, it was really cool. And it was a brand new pocket knife. It was a really good one. Yeah. So, I'm in, now I'm walking into the mountains. And this is where things take a turn. Uh, because I'm walking uphill through the mountains for several hours and at some point the the trail splits and then it splits again and it splits like two or three times and I haven't seen a a signpost or like one of the trail markers for quite a while now I saw one on a tree trunk a ways back but I haven't seen one for a while and I'm just taking what, there's never a sign at any of these splits for which way to go although one is a, a stronger trail and so I'm just like okay well I guess it must be it's got to be the, the main trail, right? Yeah. Because there's no... And the weather's turning. It's uh, it's getting overcast. We're getting later into the afternoon. And, like, you can't see very far. Like, you can't see into the forest. Everything is turning into that kind of veiled fog. There's a fog that's coming through, and you can't see more than 10 yards ahead. It gets creepy. Yeah, it does get creepy. And it's getting dark, and, like, rain. is. You're starting to hear thunder. And you're like, okay. And I... And I get up to the top where there, there's a kind of a clearing at the top of this part of the mountain. It's like kind of like a shoulder of the mountain. And the trail just like kind of disintegrates mm. in, into like kind of rocky areas. And, and now there's several trails because now we're in, a, in kind of like a, a place where there's like cow. Mm. And so they're all walking around and like the trail gets destroyed and you can't track it because a lot of them are just cow shepherds trails, mm-hmm. you know? And so I'm like, what the hell happened? And there's no signs. And so I'm going back and forth. Like I retrace it back to the last place I've seen. And this is like an uphill. So I have a full pack and I see it and I'm like, okay, that's the last one. And I'm looking everywhere. I'm going down all the side trails, trying to find the trail and I can't find it. And it's getting later. Mm. And I'm at this. And now it starts to thunder right overhead and lightning right overhead. And so now I can't go to that top area. I'm trying to. I'm, and now it's starting to rain and now it's starting to pour and I've, I'm spending, I've spent about four hours trying to find the trail going up and back I, I've probably gone up and down this trail four times Ugh. trying to find it and I cannot find it and I'm reading the instructions and there's nothing mm. saying that this is hard that, that I should be missing anything and it's, getting, it's starting to get dark and it's now it's pouring and I'm at the top and I'm finally giving up and I'm walking back but it's been raining so much that the the trail has turned into a, a creek mm. and it's straight mud. And now it's getting dark and it's freezing and I'm drenched. And the mud is like that sucking mud, you yeah. know, where it can pull your shoe off. And at, at places, it's like six inches, a foot deep. And I'm exhausted and I've been going all day and I'm lost. And I don't know if it's one of those times where you start talking to yourself, you know? <sighs> Where you just, like, you have to, like, you have to talk to yourself because it's crazy. It's, like, it's awful. Everything is going wrong. I have no idea where I'm going to stay tonight. I can't find the trail. I'm out of daylight. I'm so cold. I'm exhausted. Like, I'm literally, it's hard to keep walking. And I'm walking through mud, which is extraordinarily taxing because it's just, like, you're always slipping on rocks, yeah, yeah, yeah. and, like, you can never, like, trust your footing, and, like, there's mud up to my knees, and, like, when you're trekking and you're all wet, it just sucks, and, and I don't know what I'm going to do, so I go down the mountain, and I end up at the same house that mm. i would given the kid the pocket knife and I start kind of just banging on. There's a gate and it's locked and they're all inside and it's pretty far off. And so.
1: What was your thought in like getting you no, there?
0: I just, I had no options. Yeah. And I was just like, I, I was ashamed to be back there. Like I was desperate, but I was also ashamed and embarrassed and really did not want to do what I had to do, which mm. was like ask for help. And uh, I was, like, banging on the gate, but no one could hear me or anything. And then, like, a shepherd coming down from the mountain who, who was clearly going back into town saw me and, like, through some sign language. He was like, what are you doing? You know? And, and he was able he figured out that I was trying to get their attention. And, yeah. And he, he got them for me. And the grandfather came out, and he saw me. And I'm just drenched, tired. I'm at the point of tears. And I'm downtrodden, and I'm embarrassed to be there. And I don't want to be doing what I'm doing. Which is, like, basically forcing myself, like, you know, it's like, I need help. Mm. Uh, and I have nowhere to go. Yeah. And he opens the gate. He brings me to the house. And I can hear, there's, ton, I can hear a bunch of people inside. And I'm just like, oh, my God. And I, I walk in. I take my pack off. And I have, like, several layers of, like, jackets and stuff. Because it's freezing. I'm freezing. And I'm wet. Yeah. And I'm and I'm and I'm muddy. I'm drenched. And I walk in. And I'm just like, I, I'm embarrassed. And there is a long table with like 20 people at it. And they all look at me and it's just decked with food and mm. drinks. And I, I'm just like, Oh my, like, what am I doing here? Yeah. And one of the guys gives me some dry socks and I sit down at the, in the middle of the table on the men's side, cause it's kind of segregated by men and women. And, uh, the guy who had had the phone was next to me and he wrote something in the phone and gave it to me. And as I started to read it, he started putting food on my plate and I read it and he's like, your family eat, don't worry. You're welcome here. And it was just like, Whoa. And then, and this was like around like seven o'clock at night or eight o'clock. And it gets cold here. It gets really cold. And this is like a full out thunderstorm. And for the rest of the night, we just feast. And it's like there's the patriarch, like old man at the end of the table. He's making, he's making, he's giving speeches and then raises the glass and everyone, yeah, here, here, and drinks. And I don't know what anyone's saying. And, and. no one speaks any english and nothing we don't use google translate because it's like a big party and there's kids running around and women laughing at the other side of the table and just plate after plate of food is coming out like there must have been like 20 different plates of food and there's just all sorts of liquor all over the table and anytime my plate is empty or anytime my my glass is empty it's refilled by somebody (laughs) and then there's another round of cheers everyone is super drunk and super merry and it goes into the wee hours of the the morning it's like 12 one o'clock in the morning when it finally ends and it's just like a disaster zone like (laughs) like it's just plates everywhere and food everywhere it's just it was a major feast and it was delicious and yeah so i do that all night and then at the end of the night i'm I'm pretty drunk (laughs) and and they put me in one of the rooms at the house and me and uh, one of the other guys i've been drinking with we sleep on a queen bed together In in the morning, I'm woken up by the grandpa. He, like, comes to my side of the bed uh, and wakes me up. I'm not sure if I'm hungover yet. I'm probably still more drunk than hungover. (laughs)
2: It's
0: like, what is going on? Because I communicated to him the day before, like, basically, he had understood he was going to take me to the main highway and drop me off on the road so that I could hitchhike because I was going to hitchhike to where I should have gotten to Mm. or, like, kind of, and then hike the next part of the trail. So he woke me up at some god-awful hour in the morning, like 6 o'clock in the morning or something. The roosters are going off, and everyone else is still asleep. And they're just like, oh, my God, how are you awake? He drank more than me. I watched him. He was drinking more than me. And yeah, he's got more
1: practice, though.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we get up, and he... Get- <laughs> he gets some woman one of the women to make us coffee which is like oh come on we could have done it <laughs> It wasn't very hard
1: you don't make your own coffee if no you're you a don't in these countries no, you like don't. That. that it doesn't matter what time yeah, you, don't you don't make your
0: own so coffee. so we had coffee the two of us for like 20 minutes or whatever and then we go outside and he gets in there's this old van and he gets in the van and like you, this is like you know dirt roads roosters crowings kind of junkyardy in some of the places in the yard and like these are like uh, resourceful people it's like that kind of like old backwater village yeah, right yeah, yeah. and there's this van and he gets in and motions to me and communicates that i need to push the van <laughs> so i start pushing the van down the road and like for, so that he can get it started because it needs to be going to get the ignition going and it starts and then he's driving the van, and I'm running next to it. <laughs> with my pack and, and I jump into the with van. With your pack? No, not with my pack. Uh, my pack's okay, in the okay, van. thank God. I'm running next to it, and I jump into the van as it goes. And he and then we drive off. That's how that's how this ends. And <laughs> and he drives me to the main highway and drops me off. And then I, I hitchhike to the next town and and can finish my trek. And I was just. I was, like, on cloud nine for the next day. I was just so stunned that that happened, that the whole thing happened. The emotions were so low. When I was coming down the mountain, cold, wet, drenched, lost, I was one of, it was rock bottom. It was so low. I was, yeah. like, I was at the point of tears. I was talking to myself. I was talking to God. I was, you know, negotiating. And, and then I really did not want to have to, have to put, like, burden anyone with me. yeah. And then, like, the high of that night and the party and the blur of it and the warmth and, and then just the, the the way it ended with, with the leaving in the van and having to push the van and then getting dropped off on the side of a road. It's just, it was so Rolling Stone, yeah. you know? It was just like, did that happen? Yeah. You, I was sitting on the side of the road, like, after we gave our hugs for, like, 15 minutes. He told me I was his son and all these Aww. things. and. And I thanked him like profusely and and then uh we said goodbye and I was just like, was that a dream that like, it could not have happened? Did that really just happen?
1: I know. Oh my god. I think my favorite part of this story is is uh you sitting down at the table and them telling you like your family eat, don't worry, you're welcome here. Like after because man, that is such a thing. you know, we are so afraid to ask for help and we just don't have that culture of helping out someone who's in need like that because and I remember someone saying this to us in in recent years that the problem in 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 the west is that because we're not used to receiving help, we don't know how to stop asking for help. So like if you for, meaning that if you help someone in need, in the West, oftentimes they will not know when it's time to, to, to stop taking the help or to, you know, get on with their life. And it's just this healing that must happen when, when you just come and you're afraid that you're going to disrupt the party and that you're going to be, you know, like, in the way and that you're going to be annoying or a burden and then they tell you don't worry you're welcome here
0: you're just received with open arms and then you're considered like kind of the guest of honor at this at this party and like you're just fed till you're bursting yeah and and it's like all the while it's like this is a they don't have much and but they're willing to give everything they have and there's this strange juxtaposition it's like that you know it's like I'm a rich westerner and I'm here in this poor place taking their hospitality. It's like such a reverse... It's such a... It's a, it's, it's a strange situation in a lot of ways. But a, yeah. It, it, but it was... it's It touched part of me... It touched parts of me that I didn't even know needed to be touched. Mm. It was like such a human connection. And it's just one that this is one of the reasons why I went and did these things is just that you weren't able to touch those parts of you in, in the U S it was very hard. It was like, you kind of had to travel to the other side of the world and get lost and, and get forced to like surrender and ask for help to receive that. And to, to feel that like they were parts of me that I didn't know I had lost in a way. And, uh, that was some of the addiction, like that was part of the, the reason why I would go to these places is for that kind of connection and for that, those one in a million, you know, once in a lifetime experiences that you'd have that you could only have if you were con- entirely vulnerable and alone. And uh, I had one of them there and I just, you know, it just, one of the things I always think about about that trip is just like, I had to go to a conflict zone to find this kind of hospitality. I don't know, it's just such a paradox. And uh, it kind of tickles me to think that, like, one of my warmest human memories happened in in a war zone.
1: Well, thank you for listening.
0: Yeah, thank you for listening. That's a
1: story you've been wanting to tell for a long time. It's
0: one of my most treasured stories from my travels. It's one of those stories that makes it all worth it.
1: Mm. Well, thank you for sharing it. We hope you enjoyed it.
0: I hope it inspires you to get off the map somewhere. Yeah, you know? and you don't have to go to the other side of the world. There's plenty of places almost in our backyard where you can. You do know,
1: this. one of my first experiences in, as you said, wanting to like learn to trust and and connect was uh, I hitchhiked across across France, and that that was the intention for me. Is like, I could have taken the train. I had the money but I wanted to prove to myself that I could trust whatever God or whatever would throw my way.
0: Yeah, and so maybe if you've gone this far, like a challenge I I would posit to you is how can you ask for help? Or, you know, like, is there a way that you can explore like that vulnerability? Because I think there's a lot of gifts to it. Mm -hmm. Um, And we often try really hard not to ask for help. And uh, I think it's an interesting... Experiment to put yourself in positions where you have to rely on the the generosity of strangers, and of course, that comes with a little bit of risk and danger,
1: and and, feels scary. And
0: you do have to do it in in smart ways, right? Like I've been traveling for a while, and like you, you make calculated risks and, and choices. You don't, you don't put yourself in just flagrant danger yeah, yeah. you not don't to. throw
1: yourself in the pool yeah just so careful
0: out there you, you need to know kind of where your limit is and then just like kind of put yourself push yourself on that edge so it's kind of a building process right like you don't go for the bit the biggest thing first you kind of keep pushing that edge further and further out but it's it's a beautiful place to spend some time and explore because there's a lot of parts of us that are beyond that edge
2: mm.
0: and um and and not just us of other people i mean you really can have an experience of of the other and and and, you know the hospitality of strangers and getting to know people you you uh that are outside of your world and i think that's uh that's a really healing and beautiful and exciting experience so
1: preach yeah preach it brother so that's
0: that's the challenge and if you do do it let, <laughs> let us know, us know. tell yeah. us about it I'd love yeah. to hear
1: yeah All right. well as always if you've enjoyed this episode or if you enjoy our episodes in general you can do three things to support this podcast
0: and you can share this episode uh, with a friend yeah. with someone you think will appreciate it and then maybe have a conversation about it we love that we love that Second thing you can do is leave a review leave a over at uh, Apple Podcasts. Those reviews help us get seen and found. So yep. that's really helpful.
1: And then the last thing you can do is uh, we have a Patreon page that's where all the proceeds go to supporting this podcast. And we already have a nice little tribe over there. And you have access to awesome goodies starting at $3 a month. So if you're interested, head on over to patreon.com
0: slash the far out couple and as always the show notes will be at the links to our patreon page also live there yes and we'll see you next time
2: uh, toodles